a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. We're going to be talking about what's going on in uh, the nutmeg state of Connecticut here. Holly Sullivan is going to join us from the Connecticut Citizens Defense League in just a moment. A uh, massive, massive uh, infringement on the right to keep bear arms passing out of the Connecticut State Senate. Headed over to the uh, State House. We're going to give you all the details here coming up in just a moment. Before we do, however, you know, when you make choices about where to put your hard-earned dollars You're supporting not only the company that made the product, but the values and the principles of that organization. It's easier to flip a switch against a company when they blatantly conflict with your values, right? But do you make an effort to do business with the companies that support what you believe when you can? Well, do yourself a favor. Give Defender Ammunition a shot. These guys are veteran-owned and operated. Every person on their staff is military-connected. They are huge supporters of the military community, backing causes that are actually making a difference in the lives of those that have served. In fact, the profits from all of Defender Ammunition's logoed gear goes directly to the charities that they support. This company is one to back. Their ammo is top-notch. Their customer service is out of this world. What other shipping department writes handwritten thank-you notes to their customers? Give Defender Ammunition a try. They've thrown us a promo code to use through the end of May, so you got one more day left here. That code, Bearing Arms, B-E-A-R-I-N-G-A-R-M-S, Bearing Arms, good for 5% off your order. Trust me, once you give these guys a try, you won't be going anywhere else for your ammo. Check them out at DefenderAmmunition.com. And now let's uh, kick off our conversation with Holly Sullivan of the Connecticut Citizens Defense League. Uh, it's been a couple of months since we had Holly on the program, and since then there have unfortunately been some... Very uh, negative developments in terms of protecting our right to keep and bear arms. We'll get the latest from Holly. Take a look and a listen. Holly, thanks so much for coming on Cam and Company. It's so good to see you today. Thank you for having me. You bet. I wish the news was better. But, uh, you know, this is we, we've known that this was coming. I mean, when uh, Governor Lamont said, you know what, we're going after the guns. We're going to get rid of the grandfather clause. Uh, we knew that that the Democrats were going to go big on gun control this year. Um, so what is in this package that just passed out of the state Senate? What what exactly are we looking at right now? So, yeah. So as of today, it's passed out of the House. We expect it out of the, the House. Senate. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No worries. Um, so there's a couple of really big components in here that are detrimental to gun owners. Um, the biggest uh, problem. Well, they're all they're all equally bad. Um, we have been an open carry state forever. Um, so folks in this state, it is extraordinarily rare that you run into somebody who's open carrying, but we do have the right to do so. Um, so that will be going away should this bill pass uh, and be signed. Signed. Um, and additionally, um, back when our first assault weapon ban was passed, SB 11. Your Public Act 13-3, there was a carve-out for pre-ban AR platform rifles. Um, so those pre-bans, um, as you talked about the grandfathering of those, um, that's being removed. And it's really important that people remember, like, it's only been 10 years. Um, these legislators, you can't trust their word. You know, they they put that in legislation 10 years ago that, hey, you're going to be able to keep your pre-bans. I know they're, you know, they're expensive, they're harder to come by, but pre-94, they're good. Well, 10 years later, there's no indication that crimes have been committed with pre-ban rifles in our state in the last 10 years, but yet they're on the chopping block, um, and we expect that, that those will be gone. Um, we have what's called Connecticut Others. Um, they're the uh, you know shorter um, rifles that 
don't meet the, the, the particular characteristics of what's in the assault weapon bill now. Um, so those are to be banned going forward. Um, you know, there's a variety of different things here that are deeply problematic. And at the end of the day, none of this gets to the root of actual gun violence in our state, which is rampant. We have a real problem, particularly in our urban communities, but they're not being committed with these firearms. Um, so it's just another attack on law-abiding gun owners in our state. Let's drill down a little bit deeper on the uh, the pre-ban, uh, uh, quote-unquote, assault weapons. Um, so what happens to gun owners who, let's say, purchased an AR in, you know, 1991 or 1992, or, or they own one that was manufactured uh, in that time period? If this bill becomes law, what happens to those guns? So they are going to be able to keep them. Um, however, they're going to be registered with the state. Um, you know, it's the same nonsense. What does registration lead to eventually? Um, you know, and our governor touched on that when he was campaigning. So it was very scary. Um, so, you know, I, you know, people are very much on the fence. Do I register this and avoid being a felon? But with the full knowledge that our governor was pretty outspoken during his campaign that he would consider confiscation. Um, you know, so there's there's some really serious issues there. People are going to be people are in very hard positions between the ATF ruling, which, you know, at the time of this recording, today's the deadline, um, you know, between the ATF ruling that's happening now with finding out what's going to happen in our Senate this week. And we do expect the governor to probably sign that bill the, it, immediately upon it passing the Senate. Um, People are in a lurch, and these are good people that have not done anything to deserve this. They've they've purchased firearms with explicit permission from state police, and now being told, "Womp womp, you're in trouble." Yeah, and as you say, um, you know, you you do have a problem with quote unquote gun violence in Connecticut, but it's not you know generally legal gun owners uh, who are committing these crimes. Certainly not with the type of guns that are being targeted by uh, the Democrats here. And so this isn't going to do anything to improve public safety. Um, it is going to, you know, infringe on people's rights. You know, I'm curious, last year, you know, the, the legislature seemed to take a very different approach. And maybe it was because I'm curious to, 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 to get your thoughts on why this was. But last year, it seemed like it was all about, you know, community violence intervention. You even had, I think it was the head of uh, Connecticut uh, against gun violence. Say, ah, you know what, we're not really not pushing for, you know, laws that go after legal gun owners. We want to get to the root causes. So what have the gun control groups been saying this year? Have they changed their tune as well? Oh, sure has. Um, so very sadly, this week, there was a break in a, a uh, one of the largest gun stores in Connecticut. So there, there was a burglary there. And unbelievably, and this just goes to show where their priorities are, Connecticut against gun violence went after the gun store, saying the gun store needs to be held accountable. Since 1993, we have laws in our state that the gun stores have to be hooked up to an alarm system, has to be connected to the police department. There's ATF regulations around reporting losses and, and implementation. They do all of those things. And yes, that very group, now mind you, last year was an election year and a pretty big one. Um, they were saying, oh no, you know, we're not going to back off the, the law-abiding folks. But this week, the gun store is responsible for being a victim of crime. What does that tell you about their priorities? And to that point, Connecticut Against Gun Violence has a seat on Governor Lamont's Commission on Community Gun Violence Prevention. So, yeah, that tells you a lot about the direction of our state, where the advice is coming from and what their priorities are, which is coming after good people who have done absolutely nothing wrong and blaming victims. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, listen, as you say, uh, I don't think there's any doubt 
that the uh, governor is going to sign this if it uh, clears the house. And and it, it seems to me, Holly, I mean, obviously you want members to contact uh, their representatives. You want gun owners to speak up. We Even if we know that the fix is in and this is going to pass, they need to hear from us. They need to hear from those who are going to be impacted by these laws, those who you know could be turned into criminals simply for maintaining possession of the gun that they lawfully purchased. They need to hear from sure the people who are going to be affected. Um, yeah, but but do you have any that. do you have any hope whatsoever that this has a chance of being defeated in the House? Um, so right now the division. Or excuse is, me, the Senate. I keep this, getting yeah, this backwards. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So um, right now our makeup is 12, 24 majority party to twelve minority party. Um, we know which party tends to be on our side. We're a nonpartisan organization, but we do know which party tends to go our way. So they're outnumbered by double. Um, so. It would be a miracle. How about that? If yeah. for some reason um, this didn't pass. Um, so that being said, you know, we're not optimistic that um, that will defeat this. However, we have an opportunity again. And that's what a lot of people forget is that elections come around consistently. These people are not there forever. They're not entitled to their seat. It's not their birthright to stay there. They're not kings. Let's fix it. So whatever anger you have now, whatever frustration you have now, make a commitment that 12 months from now, you will not forget that. And let's change the makeup of the legislature. It is entirely doable. But for some reason, our side feels like, well, there's nothing we can do. Well, during legislative session, it's very hard to do that. But during election season, it is not. And we can identify what districts are pretty easy to flip and who won by only a slim majority. Focus efforts there. And don't forget, make a commitment that 12 months from now, you're on board and you're going to give that summer to helping out the right pro-Second Amendment candidates. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. There is something for every gun owner to do, right? If you can run for office... Great. You know, our friend Rebecca Schmoy is now in the Kansas State Legislature and she's kicking butt and defending our rights. And I love to see that. Yep. But if you if you can't run yourself and by the way, don't have to be, you know, state legislature, run for school board, run for city council if you can. But if you don't have that type of time commitment, if you don't have the you know network that you think is going to allow you to be a successful candidate, join a campaign. I have knocked on I don't know how many thousands of doors over the years supporting candidates that defend my right to keep and bear arms because that's something that I can do. There is something, you're right, there's something everybody can can actually do that is going to make a difference complaining about how crappy things are. That, that you know, that doesn't work. That doesn't change anything. Right. And then a lot of people say, well, just move. It's not that simple for folks, careers, families, things like that. Um, you know, and it's really, why should we have to? These are our homes. Right. These are our districts. These are our towns. These are our communities. Take it back. You know, we, we talk a, a pretty big talk about, you know, from my cold dead hands. Well, just spend a couple hours each summer and get out and knock doors. You know, we have elections in our state where seats have been lost by nine votes, 14 votes. That's one afternoon you could turn 40 people in one afternoon. So if we could be doing that, I mean, just a couple of years ago, our Senate was 50-50 split between the parties. If we had a 50-50 split like we did five years ago right now, we'd have a shot. But we become complacent. And unfortunately, that's the reality. When it comes to politics, people go, oh, there's nothing I can do. There is so much you can do. Um, and that's what groups like CCDL and other grassroots uh, 2A organizations across the country are really focused on. I get it. Legislative session is like the exciting, like rah-rah time where people are rallied up. It needs to be before legislative session. That's where you make change. Yeah, and you're right. And we got to think about the long game. 
because yeah. our opponents definitely know how to play the long game. Yeah. Uh, you know, they and, and they don't mind an incremental approach. Sometimes we want to get everything. If we don't get everything, well, it's not worth it. But, uh, you know, they, they know our opponents are pretty smart about, listen, if you can get that door open just to crack, Right. And get one gun law, even as innocuous as it might be on the face of it. If you can get that one gun law in place, then again, you can go back and you can expand it. You can make it bigger. Uh, Connecticut's ban on so-called assaultments is a perfect example of this. Right. They just keep making it worse and worse and worse as time goes on. Um, And so you're right. There's something we can do every day of the year uh, to defend our Second Amendment rights. Um, including, by the way, litigation. I CDL has uh, already been involved in uh, a number of lawsuits. You've got uh, lawsuits pending challenging the uh, ban on so-called assaultments in uh, Connecticut. Um, are you all prepared to launch another legal challenge to uh, to these new laws uh, or these new uh, uh, restrictions if they become law? So, you know, obviously litigation is always at the forefront of our mind. You know, um, I will say that strategically, we're still talking about exactly where things are going to go, but it has, uh, let's just say that this is been on our mind for not just this session, but last session as well. Um, so, you know, um, I hate to ever say too much, but we're always positioned to deal with things and to look after our members' interests. So, um, you know, we'll see fairly soon where things go. It's not law yet. So, uh, but once it is, then, then things change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, Holly, I, I, you know, on behalf of my audience, let me just thank you for all of your activism and all the work that you're doing there in a very challenging environment. Um, I think you are doing exceptional work. Uh, and really, I, I cannot thank you enough for everything that you do on behalf of gun owners, not only in Connecticut, but really all around the country. And thank you for spreading the word, because I think it's really important that people understand that places like this, that, you know, 12 years ago was pretty safe for gun owners, how fast it changes. And people are fleeing states like Connecticut and California and New York, and they're coming to states like yours and bringing this mentality. Get ahead of it. Don't wait until you have a bill that passes that you go, you get blindsided by. Get involved now. Support your state 2A org and, you know, and be a part of it before it comes there. Absolutely. Holly Sullivan with the Connecticut Citizens Defense League. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, I know we'll be having you back again very soon. Hopefully, maybe with some like maybe good court decision or something positive to talk about as well. I'm optimistic. Me too. Thanks, Holly. Thank you again to uh, Holly Sullivan. Join us on the program today. And uh, I know we'll be having Holly back again in the near future. Unfortunately, probably not to talk about great news, but there are those lawsuits out there. And uh Fingers crossed that uh, Connecticut gun owners get some relief in the very short term. Uh, Before we move on to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report, I know you guys have definitely noticed that the U.S. dollar continues to buy less, right? Last year, the average IRA and 401k balance fell by more than 20%. If we've learned anything in the past few years, it's that anything can and will happen. Well, here's something that may help. A gold IRA. Gold may be a great option for you. That's right. Physical gold in your IRA. Many central banks are buying tons right now. What does that tell you? Augusta Precious Metals is a gold IRA company that offers its customers the opportunity to invest in gold. You can call Augusta Precious Metals and learn how a gold IRA can help you. If you've saved 100000 or more for retirement, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their free ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them you heard it here on our show, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Contact Augusta Precious Metals and diversify your retirement today. Call 855-222-4997. That's 855-222-4997. Again, Augusta Precious Metals at 855-222-4997. 
All right, so let's uh, kick things off here with our recidivist report. A uh, case out of Chicago, thanks to the website CWB Chicago for the uh, tip. Three days after getting probation, a Kia boy is charged with attempted robbery and home invasion. Yeah, and not only did this come three days after getting probation in um, a car theft case, uh, this individual apparently had quite the lengthy juvenile criminal history as well. Uh, last Friday, according to CWB Chicago, Jamal Moore received probation after pleading guilty to burglary for trying to steal a Kia last summer with his friend Rashad Walker. Uh, as CWB Chicago reports, almost 72 hours after Moore entered his plea, he and Walker were arrested together again, this time accused of home invasion and attempted armed robbery of a family on Memorial Day. Officials say that both men earned serious juvenile records before they became adults. Uh, they were in court on these new charges on Tuesday. Judge Kelly McCarthy ordered him held on substantial bail, said it's only by the blessing of God that no one has gotten killed yet. Uh, Moore and Walker arrested on August 30th last year after a woman found Moore banging on the steering column of her Hyundai Santa Fe with a screwdriver. Uh, Walker was reportedly acting as a lookout for Moore. Uh, Walker was also accused of pointing a handgun to the car's owner when she interrupted him. He ended up pleading guilty to simply possessing burglary tools. Gun charge dismissed altogether, got a two-year sentence from a judge, and was uh, that was back on March 23rd of last year. He was on parole by May 11th. Two-year sentence. Yeah. Moore, meanwhile, pleaded guilty to burglary on Friday of last week. And a, a judge, Laura Ayala-Gonzalez, sentenced him to two years of second-chance probation and 50 hours of community service, meaning that the case could have been expunged from his record if he had successfully completed the two-year probationary term. Well, it's going to be difficult now that he's arrested on uh, home invasion charges. There were five people in that home Monday afternoon. One went to uh, the alley to get something from his van, and that's when police say Moore approached him from behind, put a gun to his ribs, while Walker went through his pockets. As the uh, robbery unfolded, another resident walked up, saw what was happening. The man being robbed then ran into the home's basement. Moore, following him, uh, witness ran to the home's second floor as the first man hid in a bathroom. According to authorities, Moore couldn't get past the stairwell. Security video showed him leaving the scene with Walker. Footage also recorded Walker telling Moore to, quote, blow them away if they say anything. Yeah. A few hours later, police were able to arrest the pair, still wearing the same clothing uh, that they were seen uh, on surveillance video wearing. Moore allegedly had a uh, loaded handgun with an extended magazine sticking out of a, a crossbody bag. Prosecutors charged Moore with attempted armed robbery, attempted home invasion with a firearm, aggravated unlawful use of a weapon, and resisting police. Walker charged with attempted robbery and uh, resisting police as well. According to CWB Chicago, Walker was adjudicated delinquent for robbing a pizza delivery driver at gunpoint and robbing and carjacking another pizza driver as a juvenile. Moore adjudicated delinquent for aggravated battery on a victim over the age of 60, as well as unlawful use of a weapon. That's a case for which he is still on probation. Uh, both men, by the way, uh, still juniors in high school, though they're uh, legal adults now, uh, each has at least one child. The uh, judge who uh, heard their case in bond court on Tuesday uh, said it's clear to this court that you have no intention on stopping. So the bond's going to reflect that for the safety of the community. And I will say at the age of 18, you present in court with more violent, dangerous history than most of the people that appear before this court. Now, the bail that was set, I, I got to say, I don't think it's all that substantial. $50,000 bail deposit. Uh, more will have to post for Walker. More has to post to $75,000. And uh, McCarthy ordered them to go on electronic monitoring if they do come up with the cash. Now, we've seen incidents before where individuals who are on electronic monitoring go on to commit other crimes. Um, we'll see what happens here with uh, Mr. Walker and Mr. Moore. But uh, it's another failure of the criminal justice system in the uh, Windy City. 
Today's Armed Citizen story from Massachusetts. Yeah. Now, I got to say, this headline sucks. <laughs> the, the local uh, TV station that reported this. Quincy man facing charges in Stoughton road rage shooting and crash. All right. So the guy facing charges is the instigator of this road rage incident. Uh, he is not the armed citizen here in question. The armed citizen, it sounds like, not facing any charges because he was acting in self-defense. This happened uh, a week ago. 39-year-old on cue allegedly pointed a revolver at a, a man inside a convenience store during a uh, argument. Now, the victim in that case, the guy with the gun pointed at him, left the store, got in his friend's car, and they took off. They wanted to get out of the way. According to authorities, on cue, followed them uh, and chased them. At some point, the uh, driver of the uh, Nissan uh, with the uh, victim inside, along with two other individuals, tried to speed up you know, to get away from uh, a cue, but they say that he actually ended up crossing the double yellow line, uh, pulling up beside him at a, uh, an intersection, and then once again pointed a revolver at the individuals inside that car. Well, the driver of that Nissan, as it turns out, a armed citizen who can legally carry a firearm in Massachusetts. He yelled for his friends to get down and then fired seven rounds into Q's Cadillac because he was afraid for his life. One of the bullets struck Q. Uh, he was apparently taken to the local hospital, released, I guess, on Saturday because that's when he was taken into custody. Um, the armed citizen, not facing any charges, Q, uh, on the other hand, is facing several counts, even though uh, police determined that the revolver in question was a, actually a pellet gun. Uh, it's pretty clear that Q wanted his victims to believe that that was a real firearm, and they did. They were in justified fear of their life when they acted in self-defense. We'll keep our eyes open for any uh, more details on this story. Given that it is Massachusetts, I'm... Even though this appears to be a clear-cut case of self-defense, I'm a little concerned that some anti-gun prosecutor is going to get uh, overzealous here. But, uh, yeah, I would say this is definitely someone who was uh, justified to use deadly force. Once again, a guy pointed a gun at his face. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, we'll unable to do the right thing. Down in Louisiana, a, a man driving past a daycare in Kenner, Louisiana, Noticed smoke coming out of the back of this single-story house, front yard full of swing sets and other playground equipment. Jonathan McRae pulled over, ran over to the residence, which was a uh, in-home daycare, began banging on the front door. He said, I jumped out, and I just started grabbing people. About 15 people managed to escape unharmed from the uh, fire. Ten of those who escaped were children, according to the uh, Kenner Fire Chief Terrence Morris. Cause of the blaze, which uh, was first reported just before 11 a.m., still under investigation. The home's owner, uh, Patricia Cheney, said she had smelled something burning, but she couldn't find the source until McRae came knocking at the door. Cheney's son, Jack Morris, was in his room, overheard the commotion, smelled the smoke, and he too jumped into action. He, along with McRae and another unidentified Good Samaritan, ran in and out of that home several times, grabbing kids as well as three dogs. Um, Jack Morris, Cheney's son, said, I dropped everything. I had to get my babies out. Uh, Java Jordan visiting a relative across the street when she saw the heavy, dark smoke and then the flames. She saw McRae stop and run to the home. She called 911 as he and others brought the uh, children out of the house. She says it all happened so fast. Crews uh, working to extinguish the blaze early Tuesday afternoon, but the uh, roof apparently had collapsed. Home looks to be a total loss, but again, thankfully, uh, no loss of life. Carolyn Urson, another uh, neighbor, 
uh, reaching out to the American Red Cross and other groups in an effort to organize aid for Cheney. She said, uh, quote, she's such a supportive person. We've got to get clothes, diapers, everything. We need to help them. And hopefully that community comes together to uh, help that family uh, left homeless as a result of that fire. Homeless again, but alive, thanks to the quick life-saving actions of uh, Mr. McRae, Jonathan McRae, along with Jack Morris. And again, that anonymous Good Samaritan in Kenner, Louisiana, all of them in the right place at the right time and willing and able to do the right thing. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Thank you, as always, for being a part of the program. I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. And don't forget, we're going to go on a Tuesday-Friday schedule this week since uh, Monday was Memorial Day. So we're really just getting started this week. And we'll be back again with more Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Coming up again on Thursday. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com. In the meantime, we've got you up to date on all of the news that's important to your right to keep and bear arms. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. You get those warm, fuzzy feelings of uh, supporting Bearing Arms, but we're gonna also going to give you exclusive content, news stories, analysis. You won't find anywhere else because your support does matter, and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. All right, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well. Be safe and be free.